This episode of Internet Today is brought to you by Omaha Steaks and HelloFresh. It literally sounds like a bad movie, but it is something that actually happened late last week as people around the world started settling in for the holiday season filled with promises of colder weather, friendly gatherings, libations flowing, and music filling the air. Everyone involved in our first story today definitely got all of those things and more when they all gathered at a hilltop pub in Yorkshire, England to enjoy some pints and the sounds of an Oasis cover band called Noasis. This was all during a snowstorm that would end up trapping all 61 patrons inside for days. Yeah, so everyone was apparently having a great time. Noasis played their set, but as the crowd decided to pay their tabs and call it a night, they discovered the doors to the establishment had been overtaken by the elements. They were covered in feet of snow, and that made it impossible, or at least very difficult, for anyone to leave even if they wanted to. And in addition to that, the snowstorm also completely blanketed the area's roads, resulting in local authorities instructing residents to hunker down and stay put wherever they were, since it was clearly not safe to drive. Mm -hmm. With no way out, the pub and its patrons settled in for the night. But this would turn out to be just the first of many. <laughs> it was the same story the night after, and the night after that. Everyone, and that cover band, all just trapped in that pub together. Yeah, and I was like, wow, damn, England really gets like this? And I looked at it on a map, and it's like, yeah, Yorkshire's a big place, but this is like a Yorkshire's... small mountain town, uh, like anywhere else, I guess, in America. It's, yeah. it's like up in the mountains, so it's uh, pretty desolate up there. And Things just, uh, get rocky up in the north. Exactly. So very interesting to see uh, England in this way. I never thought of it like that for some reason. But look, we'll be the first to tell you, there are far worse places to be trapped than a British pub. Um, it's literally part of the plot of Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, but once you've been locked inside, hearing Champagne Supernova for the 50th time, you'd probably start to lose your goddamn mind. Luckily, some people were rescued before too long, but then it appears to have turned into a Titanic lifeboat scenario where only the people who had good enough reasons to leave were sent off with the rescuers. Uh, from the New York Times, Though the roads were not safe to travel, a group of off-roaders took a couple of parents home to their young children, said the pub's manager, Nicola Townsend. A local mountain rescue group also helped evacuate a man who needed medical treatment for an ongoing condition. But based on updates to the pub's Facebook page during the entirety of this ordeal, everyone trapped inside kept their spirits up and made the best of their situation with trivia, movie screenings, karaoke, and what seemed like enough food to keep everyone that uncomfortable. Sounds like a great time. Yeah. As long as you like Oasis. Yeah, the, the pictures of it are funny, too, because, like, this entire inn, like, it's a pub and it's an inn, is completely blank. It looks like the Hateful Eight. Like, it is completely blanketed in snow. Yeah. And then, like, one window, it's like a nice amber hue. Like, it, it's the most, like, comforting-looking photo. Yeah. But then you see the photo of, like, the above where everyone's sleeping, like, up and down in... Uh, Little sleeping bags and stuff. But you throw back a couple of pale ales and it comes uh, becomes a little bit easier. And and for their part, like the pub, they they had said uh, that they had plenty of food because they actually stock up for winter for this yeah. reason. And so they had plenty of food and they just gave it to people for free. They had like a free food buffet. They're like, ah, we're all stuck here. Everyone have fun. It was a real heartwarming experience. Yes. Yeah, I mean, this could have gone in like a, a the shining direction yeah. where uh, people start. Seeing, hearing things that or aren't there. Or a donor party situation. Yeah, or a donor party situation, yeah, with the food. Yeah. So, yeah, it seems like things worked out about as well as you would hope. Yeah. And, yeah, it sounded kind of like a lot of fun, aside from the fact that you were stuck and couldn't go anywhere. And yeah. 
had to kind of sleep pretty close together. Not exactly comfortable, but, you know, could have been a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And according to the Times article, by Monday, a snowplow passed through the area, allowing a majority of the people who had been stranded at the pub to begin their journey home. Uh, by Monday evening, even the musicians had found their way home. No aces have left the building, the van said on Facebook. Thanks to everyone for your messages of support. Thanks to everyone for the camaraderie within the venue. So, sounds like everyone had a decent time, and uh, look, this might happen again. There's, this, is, this apparently happens pretty frequently, so uh, days at a time, though, that's a bit much. But luckily, those parents were able to go home and see their kids, because, like, it's, oh, by the way, I know we all came out to have a good time, get a little drunk and watch No Aces. Uh, I kind of got to go, though, because I forgot my children at home. Yeah, no, no babysitter. Yeah. Um, please, rescue me, Mr. Yeah. ATV. But another sign of the holiday season is rampant consumerism. And over the past couple of years, it has become increasingly hard for even people who shop entirely online to lock down highly sought-after products. In the old days, you'd simply camp out in front of your local store and then fight other people to the death in order to get a great deal or snatch up an item that had limited availability. Now, you're not only fighting it out with thousands of other people all clicking links at the same exact time, you're fighting it out with bots that are designed specifically to buy up limited items so they can just resell them moments later with huge markups. It fucking sucks. It is so annoying. Yeah. But it's something that uh, pretty much everyone just has to deal with currently, uh, especially in you know collectibles, shoes, music, Stuff like that. And and when the holiday season comes around, toys. But uh, it looks like a new bill is being introduced to Congress with the goal of stopping these stupid bots so that we can just get back to the old days of battling other humans for products or just prove that it was false scarcity all along. Yeah. Because when someone buys out everything of a product, they kind of get to set the price. Yeah. And that's the situation we've had with PlayStation 5s and uh, GPUs for the last two years. And it's... PlayStation no bueno. 5 came out a year ago, and yeah. people still can't get it. Yeah, I, just, I, I mean, I, I'm not part of this generation of consoles. I don't have either of them, but yeah. So I've been paying too close attention to it, but like, yeah, I still like every couple of weeks I'll see someone I follow on Twitter being like, "Finally!" And it's like a picture of their like receipt. I'm like, "Wait, th- this thing came out so long ago." Yeah, it's uh, it's a hot item. Yeah. Uh, here's more from PC Mag. A group of Democratic lawmakers are reintroducing legislation to outlaw the use of automated bots to buy up retail goods, such as video game consoles and graphics cards, from websites. On Monday, the representatives announced a new push for the Stopping Grinch Bots (laughs) Act. Why do they always have to have the dumbest names? And it's not even... uh, uh, It's not an anagram, yeah. yeah, uh, Yes, it it doesn't have like a cool... No. Like NASA or SCUBA. If they, yeah, they should. I'm sure they're for, they first wanted they wanted to call it the Grinch Act, but they couldn't think of like G uh, getting really indignant yeah. about never. Uh, yeah, see, I, stop the Grinch. That's yeah. what we're gonna do. We're gonna stop the stopping Grinch. the Grinch bots yeah. act. It continues. The bicameral bill will crack down on cyber Grinches using bot technology to quickly buy up whole inventories of popular holiday toys and resell them to parents at higher prices, the lawmakers said in a statement. Tonko, Blumenthal, and Schumer originally introduced the legislation in November 2019 to stop scalper-run bots from snatching up in-demand holiday toys from consumers. Since then, the problem has exploded since retailers are largely selling the newest video game consoles and PC graphics cards online. And also, all the products from 2019 that everyone wanted 
People still can't get. People still want them. Yeah. Yes. And they can't get them, yeah. Uh, the average holiday shopper is unable to compete with the light speed of the all-too-common Grinch bot and are <laughs> then held at ransom by scalpers and third-party resellers when trying to buy holiday presents. They're really pushing this Grinch angle. Yeah, that's what uh, Chuck Schumer said in the announcement. After a particularly trying year, no parent or American should have to fork over hundreds or even thousands of dollars to buy Christmas and holiday gifts for their children and loved ones. Uh, the article adds that this would have the same principles as an earlier law that outlawed automated bots from buying up live event tickets, tickets to things like concerts and sporting events. But if you've ever attempted to purchase a ticket to any kind of live event, you'll know that very little has changed. Yeah, how is this even enforceable? But yeah, I mean, now it really, really seems like the ticket resellers uh, or ticket sellers themselves are the ones buying up all the tickets to resell them at higher prices. Yeah. So I am certainly not looking forward to a future where you have to sit in a virtual queue for the chance to buy a Grogu doll from Target, only for Target to actually just hold the stock and be like, well, it's, actually, this is worth $50 now, so uh, sorry. Yeah. Because, hmm. uh, yeah, I just had the experience recently trying to buy concert tickets for next year. And I was up bright and early, like an hour before they went on sale, jumped right in that E-line, and then it was like, Literally flipped, hit the button, selected general admission, hit checkout. Oh, had, I was already logged in, and it was like it's already sold out. But, but... We have plenty of <laughs> tickets available on our official verified our official resellers. Uh, you can buy from this account, uh, Ticketmaster. Forty-five dollars for the initial tickets, and I, I'm sure the convenience fees were like twenty bucks or whatever. Sixty dollars is fair for a good concert. Yeah. Uh, the resale tickets were three hundred dollars each before fees. Yeah, there's there's some collusion. I think happening there. Something weird is going on. Similarly, as uh, a woman on Twitter had a hell of a weekend trying to rent a car for Thanksgiving. No. And, uh, and she she alleged a conspiracy that makes a lot of sense, which is that Hertz uh, during holiday seasons Hertz uh, basically rents out more cars than they actually have. Yeah. So that when people show up. They're like, oh, uh, something went wrong, but you can rent this other car for like three times as much money. Otherwise, you get nothing. Uh, so they they were insinuating that this was done intentionally from like the top down as a way to upsell people uh, in a way where it's like, well, what are you gonna do? Yeah, you gotta yeah, take I mean, the deal. There's lots of uh, lots of stuff that we should be looking into. I think like, the concert ticket thing is like a good precursor as as shown here with this the the law they're trying to get into place here but like it is a good precursor for like everything else in like consumerism or consumer goods because it is the most fucked up process yeah and it is one of the clearest monopolies that uh an industry can have yeah i mean like honestly i they should bring it back like like i think when we were children Right before online ticketing, like you had to go to specific places in town. The morning of, you had to get in line yeah. and buy tickets. Yeah, or the in venue. person. Yeah, you go to the venue, but then it was also like they partnered with like go to your local Sam Goody at these locations. They'll there's have a, uh, each one will have a hundred tickets to sell or something. There's a Saved by the Bell episode where they camp out in the mall to get tickets. Yeah, or something. it doesn't happen anymore. But it's like you had to really want it. Yeah, and that's. <laughs> It's a completely different thing, but that's one thing that I kind of do miss about the midnight releases of games before games went digital. Yeah, you had to show was, up at the store. You go down to GameStop, everyone's hanging out. Yeah, a lot of parents being like, God damn, God damn it. it, God damn it, but I love my son. But it is cool. It was it was a good feeling to walk in and be like, yeah, I got it. And you're like, you're, you're leaving and you are you get to go home and play it. It was like, there was an excitement now. And now it's just like, even if you did all buy right, it, it's 9 p.m. And even if you did get 
the the console at midnight, be like, yeah, I'm gonna go home and play it. And uh, day one pass. It takes until like 7 a.m. for all the fucking downloads and yeah. You'll never know. There was Zoomers. A, I, yeah, but you know, Xbox 360 before the day one patches and all that stuff. It was a real magical moment going down there uh, and standing in line at midnight. Yeah. It's kind of a cool feeling. Yeah. But uh, they should do the same thing with concert tickets. They should. It's like that Rolling Stones show a couple years ago. You had to be there in, perps, in person. You had to show your ID and they'd sell you the ticket. They'd put a wristband on immediately and uh, attach your ID to like the wristband information. Yeah. So you had to show up with both things, and that was how you got in. But that was because it was like a special thing or whatever. But like, yeah, it, I feel like there's ways to do this, there but are. it's not in the best interest of Live Nation and Ticketmaster to have anything to do with it. Because yeah. in this scenario, they just even if it is people buying the tickets and reselling them, they get the convenience fee every time that it's like an NFT. For a show. Yeah. They control the primary market and the secondary market. Yeah, it's like, insane. They have no motivation whatsoever to do anything. And they even this. cut out like uh, a bunch of the other like fairly large reselling services uh, because I, specifically, I know Ticketmaster does, they have the barcode that refreshes every 20 seconds now. So you can't even like... Yeah, killed SeatGeek and uh, StubHub. Yeah, you can't even like screenshot a thing. Like you can't sell it and mm. have someone else use it. You have to train... You have to use Ticketmasters. Yeah. So... Anyway, if for some reason you want to see what it looks like when someone buys up all the hottest goods just so no one else can have them, look no further than professional wrestler and apparent Burger King enthusiast Leroy Patterson, who has acquired what we can only assume is the largest single collection of Sneak King video games in existence. (laughs) So over the weekend, Mr. Patterson posted a photo of his collection, and it is stunning. 2,706 copies of the Burger King Sneak King video game for the Xbox 360. Isn't that uh, just a beautiful sight to behold? Here's Kotaku with more information. According to Mr. Patterson, his collection began with one copy of each of the three Burger King games. Then he stumbled upon 50 copies of Sneak King at a thrift store. With 51 copies to his name, he started collecting Sneak King in earnest as a joke. At around 200 copies, he started a YouTube channel with his friend and fellow wrestler Bobby Ramos, dedicated to chronicling the collection process. In the second episode, the pair rendezvous with a private collector in California, where they purchase 1,000 copies of the game, which they somehow fit into Leroy's tiny car. If you ask Leroy Patterson why he's doing this, his stock answer is, if they are worth something someday, we are rich. If they are worth nothing, it's a funny story and a journey. So, yeah, but this is basically like physical Dogecoin. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, you laugh at me now. You wait until, uh, you know... 100 years from now when Sneak King copies are treated as currency. Yes. Legal tender. And El Salvador's already talking about making <laughs> Sneak King uh, yeah. legal tender. Uh, and honestly, if he did collect every copy that exists, he would control the entire Sneak King market. So he could just set the price himself. I mean, yeah. if someone wants a copy of Sneak King, he got to go to the guy that has it. Yeah. It's only one man, Leroy Patterson. Um, problem is, Burger King distributed a reported 2.7 million copies of the game so it appears to be a long road ahead for Mr. Patterson. Oof. But uh, the picture is hilarious. It looks like the stack of money from Breaking Bad. This is a, a fucking, what's it? I Am 8-Bit did something like this with copies of uh, copies of some movie. Like they mm. built like an entire, like, or, what, or was it Everything is Terrible? I don't remember. With like VHS copies, Yeah, it was right? VH, VHS copies of... Uh, God, it was uh, the Tom Cruise. Show me the money. Uh, what fucking movie is that? Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Yeah, they 
they turned the entire I'm 8-Bit gallery. There had to be like a thousand copies like of Jerry Maguire's. It was it was dressed up like an old video store, but every every single videotape was Jerry Maguire. And then I think it was the Everything is Terrible guys did like a, a video shoot where it takes place mm. in a giant pyramid made entirely of Jerry Maguire's. Now imagine that times millions and just yeah. in landfills across the world. Yeah. Because that's that's where all the DVDs, VHS tapes, and every other obsolete technological media platform is currently living. Yeah. So many laser discs out there just rotting, <laughs> just rotting away. Anyways, we do have more coming up for you in a second, including some updates to stories that we've been covering. But first, it's time to eat. Mm. Thanks to this episode's sponsor, starting with Omaha Steaks. Hello, partner. We've both been getting shipments of Omaha steaks for years now, mm -hmm. and it's such a great feeling because not only do you get a bunch of delicious meats to cook, the sides and desserts are scrumptious. Mm -hmm. uh, the holidays are... I'm going to stop doing the voice. The holidays are obviously <laughs> right around the corner ASAP, and finding the perfect gift can be tricky. But you got to order now. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. It is... Uh, yeah, if you... You know who's hard, hard to shop for? Dads. Yeah. You know what they love? Meats. Quality meats. Yeah. No one's going to turn that away. Dad doesn't suffer fools when it comes to meats. Stop getting dad a tie every year. Yeah. Get him some delicious Omaha steaks. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter Today Daily into the search bar to order the perfect gift package. For $99.99, you'll get 24 entrees <laughs> like the world-famous bacon-wrapped filet mignons, chicken breast, sides, desserts, and so much more. When you, when you use code TODAYDAILY, you'll also get an additional eight Omaha Steaks burgers for free with your free burgers? Free burgers? Oh my God! Get you, oh, hey, and that's not all, Dad. Got you eight burgers with it. Well, call all your friends. We're having a cookout. Son, I've never told you this, but I love you. <laughs> the first hug I ever got was when I ordered an <laughs> Omaha Steaks perfect <laughs> gift package for Dad. And we've all heard the, the, the news by now about shortages and shipping delays. So don't wait. Order the perfect gift package today. So, solidify that hug. Mm -hmm. OmahaSteaks.com. You're going to get eight free burgers. Can you believe it? You just got to use the code today daily, all one word. Eight burgers for free with the package. Eight burgers. Achieve gifting greatness with Omaha Steaks. Incredible flavor, incredible value, and 100% guaranteed. OmahaSteaks.com, keyword today daily. This episode is also sponsored by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. The holidays can be hectic, but HelloFresh helps keep things simple with recipes and ingredients that cut out grocery shopping and limit meal prep time so you can spend more of the festive season with friends and family. Recipes like balsamic and fig beef tenderloin or pecan crusted salmon make holiday meals feel special without the high cost of dining out or delivery. Or go for a cozy comfort food choice like chicken sausage and sweet potato soup for a cold winter night. Mm. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, including vegetarian, calorie smart, and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety. But two delicious recipes coming up next week that we're really looking forward to are one pan pork fajita lettuce wrap mm. and the barbecue pineapple flatbreads. Uh -oh. It's not pineapple on pizza. It's pineapple on flatbread, Elliot. Don't start. I love pineapple on, <laughs> on flatbread or pizza. Yeah, but, it's fine. Yeah. Start having fun in the kitchen like we are by going to HelloFresh.com slash TodayDaily14 and using code TodayDaily14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. Again, that is up to 14 free meals and three free gifts by going to HelloFresh.com slash TodayDaily14 and using code TodayDaily14. 
All right, all right, all right. Back into the news now with the... I'm doing voices again, but it's kind of hard not to when you're talking about Matthew McConaughey. Mm -hmm. And here's a little update on a story from last week's episode of News Dump. Guys, unfortunately, or fortunately, yeah, depending, depending on, on <laughs> your opinion of the this whole thing, it looks as though Matthew McConaughey will not be running for governor of Texas this time. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Despite how seriously he apparently was taking the consideration. Um, here's the update from Politico. Academy Award winning actor Matthew McConaughey said Sunday that he is not running for governor of Texas. Speaking in a four and a half minute long video posted to Twitter and side note, he really stretches that four and a half. It's just, okay, what's the, he, he, he gets to like four minutes in, he's like, okay, and that's why I'm not running. Uh -huh. That Well, that shows that he's been practicing his politician. That's his stuff. Like, uh, he clearly uh, has. It's weird. Yeah, he's uh, like, I got to stretch the time. I'm going to be up there. Uh, what's it called when they have to like block a bill? A filibuster. Yeah, they, he's practicing his filibuster. Nobody can filibuster like Matthew McConaughey. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, speaking in a four and a half minute long video posted to Twitter, the 52-year-old said that as a small town kid from Uvalde, Texas, he never thought he'd be mentioned as a legitimate candidate for public office. Calling it a humbling and inspiring path to ponder, he said, it's also a path that I'm choosing not to take at this moment. The actor finished his Twitter address with the phrase, just keep living. L-I-V-I-N. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do like that uh, he is honored to even be thought. Like, you pitched that you were going to do this. I mean, like, I'm yeah. honored to be considered. Like, I guess, yeah, people were like, yeah, that wouldn't be terrible or it wouldn't be the worst idea. Yeah, it, it's, it was a kind of weird feedback loop. I think he's the one that started it by just being like, yeah, it'd be interesting to get into politics. And then, of course, like Gallup or one of the poll companies was like, would you vote for Matthew McConaughey for governor? And then it was like, that's actually kind of high. Yeah. <laughs> maybe cool. maybe I shouldn't start looking at this, but I, yeah, I do have to respect that he uh, he's just like see he he very carefully locked into it. He's like, oh no, I don't want to do that. I like my life as an actor where I get to do cool things all the time. Yeah, I mean, but he did take it to the last possible moment almost. I mean, he had another week and a half or two to really make that decision. But uh, I think he made the right look. I think he would be he would do a better job than Greg Abbott. Uh, but also I think he, like you said, made the correct decision because he, he's got it real easy. Yeah. Why would anyone want to ruin their lives by getting into politics unless they were a total sicko? Yeah. Like every other politician. Sickos. <laughs> Look at him in there in Congress. Though. Yes, yes. Sickos. <laughs> yeah, pass laws, sickos. <laughs> God, these people, they love it. They love getting shit on. Uh, anyways, in an update to a story from way back, seemingly... A very long, it feels like... Pre-pandemic. It was pre-pandemic, and it was years ago. Yeah. Jussie Smollett's criminal <laughs> trial is finally kicking off this week. Oh, man. You, you remember that whole fucking mess where Smollett faked a hate crime so that he could uh, make more money on that show or something? I was never especially clear on how this motivation really made any sense to him. The, but... mo the most logical thing that I read said that, look, look, at face value, it looks like he did it in order to increase his notoriety or whatever to potentially make more money by being a more popular actor in a show that was making a lot of money. Yeah. But the the excuse that seems plausible that was given was that he was potentially receiving actual hate mail, which seems logical. Yeah. That, that happens a lot. Yeah. Uh, especially in this country to black actors. So that seems plausible. And that uh, the people that were working on the show didn't take it seriously enough so that he did it to prove a point or something. Still a terrible idea. 
Yeah, uh, that's interesting. But yeah. anyways, um, we had completely forgot that he was actually facing a criminal trial for this. But hey, we're glad it's actually happening because it was one of the dumbest things that happened during a timeline that was already going off the rails. As you probably could have assumed, his defense is already as wacky as the alleged false attack. Now here's more from the start of the trial over at the Associated Press. Jossie Smollett is a real victim of a real crime, his attorney said, as the ex-Empire actor's trial started Monday, rejecting prosecutors' allegation that he staged a homophobic and racist attack in Chicago after the television studio where he worked didn't take hate mail he had received seriously. There you go. Defense attorney Nenye Uche said two brothers, two brothers, attacked Smollett in January 2019 because they didn't like him and that a $3,500 check the actor paid the men was for training so he could prepare for an upcoming music video, not as payment for staging a hate crime, as prosecutors allege. Uche also suggested a third attacker was involved and told jurors there is not a shred of physical and forensic evidence linking Smollett to the crime, prosecutors allege. Jesse Smollett is a real victim, Uche said. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Wow, they really, uh, really going with the. Wow, completely innocent. They're going with that. Angle. Yeah, not even that. Not, not, <laughs> not even trying to like, be like, look, everyone yeah. makes mistakes or something like that. It's like, no, actually, he was the victim of a crime, and it happened almost exactly like he said, except for oh. a couple little things here. Oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, so I don't think this is going to work. Um, especially because there is uh, lots of video evidence, and they were like showing video evidence that apparently, like the day before the attack happened, yeah. they did a dry run yeah. to like orchestrate it. They got videos of the two brothers like buying, yeah, all, all the equipment. <laughs> well, so in his defense attorney's case, like at least he acknowledges that because he's like, well, those guys did it because they hated him, not because he told them to. But also, they didn't hate him enough to stop him from getting a. Uh, uh, physical training from them. Anyways, Uche made his opening statement after special prosecutor Dan Webb told jurors that the actor uh, recruited the brothers to help him carry out a fake attack, then reported it to Chicago police, who classified it as a hate crime and spent 3,000 staff hours on the investigation. Smollett told police he was attacked by supporters of then-President Donald Trump, igniting political divisions around the country. Smollett is charged with felony disorderly conduct. The Class 4 felony carries a prison sentence of up to three years, but experts have said it is likely that if Smollett is convicted, he would be placed on probation and perhaps ordered to perform community service. Which is... whatever. Like... I mean, but that would be even... I, I don't I don't get why you don't just, like, meet in the judge's office and be like, look. Look, I did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, you got like, me. Look, whatever, just, what, what do I have to do to not go to prison? Or, or, or draw out a public trial that makes me look Worse again, like, yeah, no, I had completely forgotten about Jussie Smollett. The state is always way more lenient if you save them the tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars that it costs for a trial and just make a deal with the judge yeah. to save everyone the time and money involved. Like, I'm sure it would just be like community service or some shit. Yeah. So I'm like, why, what, are, instead, what are you doing with this defense? Yeah, this instead it's like, no, let's have a very public trial where I'm going to attempt, probably in vain, to completely have my name exonerated. And for what? 
Yeah, this is this is fun. Like, d who still believes? <laughs> I don't know the uh, the Jesse Smollett version of events here. This well, is and the thing wild. is, like, uh, to to the how many man hours are spent on it? Because obviously, we're ridiculous. There's a lot of very serious stuff that happens in Chicago. That and like the uh, one of the police representatives was like, "Listen, it it was abnormal, but that's because we had local, then national, then international attention on this case." Yeah, and you know. So, uh, I, it, whatever. Yeah, I agree with you in the fact that he probably, behind closed doors, should have been like, look, what's the police I deal? thought that's what already happened. Yeah. Because, like, the police threw out most of their charges. When it happened, they're like, look. Whatever. Get this get this shit the hell out of my office. <laughs> yeah. I never want to see you again. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Jussie's back. Oh, but, uh, yeah, in other potential crime news, though, it looks like Roblox is going after a gaming creator on YouTube for reportedly terrorizing their platform. And if what they've alleged is true, it seems like they have a pretty good case because the person behind it uh, attempted some pretty fucked up shit on their platform and outside their platform. Oh. Um, yeah, in addition to that, he was apparently able to orchestrate a mob that temporarily shut down the company's recent developers conference uh, back in October. What? Uh, here's The Verge with more uh, details. Game and social platform Roblox has sued a YouTube creator it banned from the platform over harassment and sexual content, saying he amassed a mob that temporarily shut down its October developer conference. The Roblox Corporation filed a complaint against Benjamin Robert Simon, also known as Ruben Sim, for breaching its user contract and violating anti-hacking laws. Quote, Defendant Simon is the leader of a cyber mob that, with malice, fraud, and oppression, commits and encourages unlawful acts designed to injure Roblox and its users, the suit claims, seeking $1.65 million in damages. How old is this uh, Ruben Sims fellow? Old enough to know better. Polygon initially reported the existence of the California lawsuit this morning. In it, Roblox says it banned Simon for attempting to upload a near-nude picture of himself images of Adolf Hitler, and a sex game that's forbidden on the kid-focused platform. Simon also allegedly harassed other members of the platform, used racial and homophobic slurs, and impersonated Roblox employees online, among other behavior. After the ban, the suit says he continued accessing Roblox using fake accounts, evading bans on his hardware and IP addresses, and encouraging his roughly 760,000 YouTube <laughs> followers to do the same. Roblox refers to this as hacking into the platform. How does this guy have that many? What gamers, uh, dude? I guess, but it's like gamers. Is he gaming though? He's just like being a dick, man. There had to have been. There was probably a point where, like, look, I don't know, Roblox content creator, and then gets banned or something, and turns it into a personal vendetta. That I, that's plausible. Also, wouldn't this count as like violating YouTube's terms of service? Yeah, you would assume. Like. But YouTube's not about to shut off the money hose, allegedly, yeah. sometimes. Like, this guy's literally, like, doing crimes and, like, targeted harassment and scams. But that happened off their platform, Elliot. Yeah. Anyway, as for shutting down the conference, the suit says that he riled up his followers on a Discord channel to the point where threats were made on the safety of the conference and its attendees, causing the whole thing to be shut down temporarily out of an abundance of caution. Oh, I, th I was picturing, like, we hacked into the system. No, they just made a bunch of threats. I don't know anything about Roblox, the only thing I know is like every couple weeks, someone's like, <laughs> someone's like, hey, uh, Roblox, there's still like so many fucking games that people have made that are just like recreations of Columbine and Christchurch. Like there's just mass shooting simulators on there that will not disappear. Well, you asked what the metaverse was going to be like, Elliot. Yeah. This is it. This yeah. is a 
This is the first example of an actual currently accessible metaverse and how the internet is going to utilize it. So if you thought it was going to be any different, and so did you, you were wrong. Ugh. Anyway, over in uh, NFT news, wait, Woo! don't leave. Don't leave, please stay. NFT news, uh, looks like the Bored Apes have a new cartoon show for some reason. And as you could have already assumed, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> it only exists as a way to theoretically pump the value of NFTs by attempting to prove to people that there is something more to them than just looking like hastily thrown together subpar works of art. So the show is called The Red Ape Family. It's available on YouTube. You can go watch it. I don't recommend it. But you, you, you may want to at least click on it, click through a little bit, see for yourself. Just witness how fucking terrible this is. It, it's so bad. Trust us. It is like it, It's so funny because this was pitched for weeks. It's like, once this shit drops, you're going to feel like a real idiot for not buying that a board ape. Every single, like, mm -hmm. the next step in all of these projects is, like, somehow injecting them into some sort of metaverse or the entertainment industry. And every single time is... It is overhyped and then under delivers because yeah. of course it's going to. Yep. You have a bunch of people who have absolutely no experience doing anything like this. <laughs> Say like just being like, oh, it's fucking easy. All you do, you know, how hard could animation be? And, and writing for animation. Yeah, the whole thing it it looks and feels like something from like Newgrounds in the early two thousand. It's it's but, worse than that because yeah, Newgrounds shit was actually fun. Yeah, people actually yeah Newgrounds was funny. Yeah. Anyway, here's a more in depth look from Vice. It's 2130. The Earth is dying. But all is not lost. Four bored apes, one dog, a lazy lion with a stethoscope, a mission to Mars. The show's description said, There's no plot to speak of, just a series of events that showcase various NFT lions and apes. <laughs> the camera pans over images that I'm sure mean something to someone in a Discord somewhere, but will only confuse a general audience. Uh, in the opening scene, NFT Chucky steals a golden USB stick from a secure location. Then the titles play. Then Chucky is talking to his wife, the algorithmically generated Winky. Do you know what this is, Winky says? This little lump of gold is actually a device containing the most valuable NFT ever created. I read about it in Vogue. NF what, Chucky asks? Non-fungible token. Non-fuckable toucan? All you need to know is that it is actually worth more than the entire city of Paris, including the awful tower? Yes, including the Eiffel Tower. It continues on like this for another three minutes. The apes gather their family and flee Earth from Mars in the Musk One. Oh! <laughs> they take along their lazy lion doctor who eats people and, for some reason, speaks in a thick African accent. The apes arrive on Mars and other apes watch them, wondering why they're on Mars. Oh, and a vaudeville stars turned silent movie icons Laurel and Hardy are the bad guys for some reason. Wow. So there you go. There's um, the, well, actually not the first. They even talk about it in that article. It's not the first stoned cats. It's like a Mila Kunis project. Yeah. Is the first NFT cartoon. Um, and it actually has like names behind it. Uh, this is um, an attempt at an NFT cartoon. Ha ha. You thought they were just pictures. Well, now they have their own living, breathing cartoon characters. Yeah. But uh, speaking of projects that. Uh, I love this, though. This is like proving. That no one actually just, gives a shit. Yeah, it's, it's proving that this is all just like around 10,000 people who are all just in a bunch of the same Discord servers and trading NFTs between each other. Yes. No one fucking cares <laughs> about this shit. Uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, and I completely forgot about it, uh, but 
there was there's two musical groups coming out of these board ape yacht clubs or whatever, and uh, one of them's like, I guess taking their time. They're gonna release something. It's yeah. Universal Music's thing. But uh, Timbaland jumped in and was like, No, I got a ape NFT project, and the single's dropping next week. And then everyone forgot about it. And I even googled and like Google News search like did the track drop like yeah. Timbaland uh, ape shit. Timbaland, The Zoo, which is the group name. No more articles written outside of the very first one, which is like so typical of any uh, uh, tech platform or product or anything like that. Because it was a press release. Yeah, because it's a press release and then no one cares. Yeah. It's just like, hey, there's this new thing. Um, so I, I finally did find it and it was released and it is released as an NFT. You have to buy it with crypto or you can just listen to it for free and literally... Unlike most videos on the internet where you can't right-click and download, like on YouTube, you can't just right-click and download yeah. unless you have like a plug-in or something. Uh, on Timbaland's website, you can literally just yeah. download. So just he's just, MP4. just burning server money for anyone that finds this. Um, it's, yeah, it's an MP4 and it's a, it's a full song. It's like two minutes long and it costs, I think it was like half an Ethereum or a little bit less than that, but that's still thousands of dollars. Tens of thousands, yeah. And uh, it is not sold out. It has been out for two weeks now and it hasn't sold out. And they only made like 3,000 of them and there's still like 700 left or something. I mean, the thing is though, they did sell, let's say 2,200. Yeah. So still lucrative, but just funny that like all this hype and then not even one follow-up article about it that I could find, at least from a reputable outlet, yeah. and they couldn't sell through 3,000 copies of a Timbaland-produced NFT-starring hip-hop group. <laughs> I mean, this is like, I mean, we're, NFT has gone through like so many full-circle things in less than a year, because like right when this stuff first got big, you had a couple big bands being like, oh, we're going to release stuff as NFTs, and like that, you didn't hear about any more bands doing that after like the first couple weeks, because clearly... Uh, the results are in. No one fucking likes this. Well, yeah, it was a quick, and, quick like cash yeah. injection for. Yeah. And it, at the time, it's at the like, time, it was like look, is damn, this how albums are going to be released as NFTs? At, no. at the time, it's like, look, let all these people pay their money for the, these bands need it. They haven't been touring for a year and a yeah. half now because of because the damn virus. Yeah. So it's like whatever, but yeah, it's like this is evolving at such a rapid pace, and it actually just keeps getting worse instead of better. I'm waiting to see how any kind of mainstream adoption will be. I, I get the very concept of, yes, the metaverse, and then you would own something in the metaverse that is tokenized to you as a proof of ownership or whatever. I get it. I would simply choose not to live in the metaverse. Yeah. I don't need anything in the metaverse. I live in real life. Yeah. I sleep in a big bed with my wife. <laughs> well, I sleep in a race car bed. <laughs> No, but seriously, people are going to be like they're like li like living in their cars. But like, have you seen my house in the metaverse? Ugh. But it like even that doesn't make any sense because all this metaverse shit is way expensive. So yeah. It's like why would anyone who can't afford to like live in it's an, an apartment, investment like spend even more money buying virtual versions of shit they can't afford to buy in real life? I don't know, and that also it's this flawed. also relies entirely on any of this being connected to each other in any way in the yeah. future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Facebook metaverse, the fucking um, yeah. If you own a house on yeah, like it, Ethereum or Solano, like is Mark Zuckerberg going to be like, yeah, no problem. You just enter your token ID over here, and then like it ends up in your house in the metaverse. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe that will happen. I don't know. But in the meantime, we're getting shitty fucking songs that don't sell mm -hmm. and terrible cartoons on YouTube. 
Yeah. So it doesn't look very good right now. No. Anyways, that's it for today's episode. <laughs> uh, I put the NFTs at the end. Okay? Mm-hmm. And again, this is all your fault. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't already, uh, we have a great weekly weird news episode that has just a bunch of stuff in it. We got QAnon stuff. We got headlines. And we got a story about a dog who got framed. <laughs> dog was innocent. And, the dog did nothing wrong. And we also have a new episode of News Dump over there. Check both of those out. And we'll see you soon for Tech News Day. Bye-bye.